0: forgiveness, forbearance, commitment, loyalty, unconditional love that points me back to the character of God over and over and over and over and it makes marriage one of the most meaningful things uh that that I that I think exists in the world that God's created, you know, cuz it's so close to who he is.
1: Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama.
0: And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas.
1: Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode.
0: I'll say this, Joe, Joe Rogan has an uh, an unreal ability to interview the most interesting people for a long time. We're talking 3 hour podcast here. Uh, but I'm grateful for uh, the kind of service to society that he does that he doesn't he d- he doesn't live in a camp. It's it's almost like a a true journalism. He's he'll ask anybody the questions that are not on their script uh in in their camp i haven't listened to much but uh that's what i felt like he kind of gives all different voices a voice pushes back against everybody a little bit uh so yeah yeah i uh, mean
1: th- he, he, it depends on how much you listen to him he definitely has a place that he lands but yeah sure. he tends to be relatively fair to most people, and certainly gives gives everybody a chance to defend themselves and kind of speak and be heard. And he's really not scared by you know what the culture says is you know appropriate people to interview and to talk to and things like that. So there, there's definitely a um, it, it's it's like a, a bygone era kind of listening to some of the things that he does. And I think there should be also a caveat that he is unfiltered. He is as unfiltered as they, as they come. Uh And, uh, so there's a quite a bit on his podcast that is, I would not recommend it's not fit, you know, sure to to really listen to, but you know, we, I stumbled across this. I don't know when, uh, I realized he had interviewed Matt Walsh, who is a, um, what'd you call Matt Walsh? An opinion, columnist, opinion, podcaster, or whatever for the Daily Wire, which is a conservative n- news outlet. And um, Joe Rogan had him on his podcast. And they got into a discussion over gay marriage. And, and I listened to the entire podcast um which i think is worth listening to they cover a, a range of topics you know uh listener discretion is advised uh there's mm-hmm. profanity sprinkled throughout of it throughout it but um one little snippet that i saw on youtube was a uh they got into a discussion over gay marriage mm-hmm. and i really wanted to hear it i was interested in hearing it because um matt walsh is catholic he um you know now obviously it catholicism and protestantism in terms of marriage is a little bit different but mm-hmm. in the spectrum of how the world sees marriage catholicism mm-hmm. and protestantism are on one side <laughs> and the rest of the world is right, on right. another side so like they're yeah. very similar like i think we would see abortion the same way too or very similar so um so i was interested to hear the discussion because i know joe rogan is not in that same camp. And so it was a, it was an interesting debate. And I don't know, I ended up walking away with it going, feeling like Matt Walsh presented an argument that lacked a lot to be desired. What did you, what did you think? I sent the interview to you and then you let you kind of listen to it. That's
0: my first, that's my first entire Joe Rogan podcast to ever listen to. I've listened to several since then of different Different interviews I, um, Yeah, I agree I was extremely thankful for Matt Walsh's attempt To appeal to a natural understanding That word natural even needs probably unpacking But to an obvious uh, You know, what he sees as an obvious order Of man and woman in the world I was thankful for that attempt to argue it uh, Without... Uh, getting, you know, so quickly, so bogged down in uh, spiritual, uh, just kind of you know, rhetoric, but I did find the argument extremely wanting, and, and and I would say not just wanting like unconvincing, but not not even close enough to what Christianity is actually saying, to what the Bible and rev- the revelation of God is actually saying, like it's really short from that, right. And so I don't know how long this is going to take. us. This may take us a little while. I want
1: to to work through the discussion because I feel like the discussion is a typical discussion. It's a discussion Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people would get into. And I think it's helpful to say, like, this is what is being argued and this is where perhaps it it should be a little bit different. So I, I want to just move through this video and I think I've got it worked out where we can record everything and then comment on it so um so anyway i want to start at the very beginning because the the very beginning of the conversation matt makes the argument that uh that marriage is fundamentally about procreation that uh that's what it's for so i want to play this and then we'll talk about it
2: i think of marriage is is a certain thing which is the um the context for uh, for procreation, for the, for the, the building of the, the nuclear family.
3: What about people that get married that don't have kids? Are you opposed to that? What if they get married and they decide, you know what, we don't need kids, I'm gonna get fixed. You get your tubes tied, let's travel the world.
2: Well, what do you mean am I opposed to it? I mean, I, I think that, uh, that every married couple should be open to life.
3: But what if but- they don't want to? Are you opposed to them being married? If marriage is only for procreation and to bond a family together, what about people that are deeply in love that never want to have children?
2: I, I don't think it's—it's it's not only procreation, but that is one of the fundamental definitional uh, uh, aspects of it. Uh, of course, there's more to marriage just than that.
3: And what know? about people that are infertile? They fall in love and they realize that they can not have babies they don't really necessarily well, want and to they, adopt. Is and, that okay well, for them to be married? Because then you're—by definition, the marriage— falls into a completely different thing because then it's a bond of love it's a union of love
2: sure i mean that doesn't change the nature of of marriage though it's it's a little bit like um i say that uh, uh what's the definition of a woman well a woman is someone who by her nature can conceive children in her womb and bear children and then the response is always well, what about women who are infertile does that right. does that destroy your definition of woman and uh, it it doesn't because you know, it, it's still it's still a woman's nature to bear children. Not every woman will, and there will be disease and infertility and and old age and all these things that will preclude that. But it's still it's still of her nature to do so. Um, and I would say the same thing for marriage. I mean, it's it, it is natural in a marriage for for procreation to occur. It's not always going to happen in reality, though. But that's still that's still one of the natural functions of marriage. And and uh, married couples who can't conceive children, there are other ways to. Um, be parents
3: like adoption, for example, if they want to. Right. Sure. But if people want to be married and don't want to ever have children, are you opposed to them being married? Well, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't advocate a law that would prevent it, but would I, it change the definition of what their marriage is to you? Because they don't want to have a family. They just want to have a loving bond.
2: I think this would be a, a couple that is rejecting, uh, one of the fundamental aspects of marriage and that they, they should be, they, they should be open to to life.
1: I would hope that in the future they would be. But okay. So they start off with marriages for procreation, and I don't know what what did you what were your initial thoughts?
0: Agreed. The uh, there's a book by Elmoer on cult, called Culture Shift that came out years ago that was helpful for me, and it, and it showed how. The progression of the sexual revolution did not begin with homosexuality, but it began significant with a significant shift from, I wanted, I think it was culture shift, a significant shift from uh, sexuality as an expression of covenant in marriage, which produces children. To a pleasure to be enjoyed, and children being a thing to block. So, so going back to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, you know, preventative measures and and sex, even in married couples. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, Uh, I can't think of it. Anyway, uh, but when you when you say we're we're gonna take steps to not have children but still have sex that separation for uh you know going back to the 40s 50s and and continue to grow and and move away from the meaning of sexuality and marriage being about uh having children and having a family now I'm not I'm not sure I I, I just don't think Matt's argument goes much beyond that that that's kind of where it it stops when he gets there so i would agree with him to a degree but i feel like when he gets there and says that it's almost like that's all he has to say your thoughts yeah so you know part of the problem is where we start
1: we're starting in a position where marriage is being defended as a thing that that mankind has decided is best to have children and the starting place is wrong because it, it's. It, I think it's fundamentally a miss because we don't believe that. We believe God created marriage. So we don't believe mm-hmm. it's a man-made institution. And we don't believe that it's a man-made institution for the purpose of having kids. We believe it's a God-ordained, God-created institution for the purpose of having children and working together to spread his rule and his reign around the earth. So mm-hmm. when you begin with in the position where Matt is, he's on the wrong foot already. And I found this to be the miss of the entire interview. Matt never comes back to, no, it's God created. And I think mm-hmm. it could be remedied just by Matt asking the question, Joe, are the, is there such a thing as a God created right? Where do rights come from? If mm-hmm. rights come from government, then government can create it and take it away. Mm-hmm. But if there is a God ordained, God created, if we have God given rights, then doesn't that mean God defines the right to? And mm-hmm. I think because he begins on that wrong foot, Joe pins him to a wall, you know, because if, if, if it's procreative, then here are all the exceptions where procreation doesn't happen. Are you against Mm -hmm. those things? Well, no, not fundamentally. I'm not any, and Matt kind of is in this position where he's equivocating, you know, because the Bible is never brought into the, into the fray. And I think when we, when we discuss, especially when we discuss with the world, Christians are so afraid to bring the Bible into the conversation because it's as if the, the, well, we can't use the Bible because, you know, we, we've got to do apologetics on a on a secular worldview level. And I'm not saying that there aren't ways in which you can argue from a secular perspective toward, you know, the Christian narrative. But why are we abandoning the scriptures? No, the marriage mm-hmm. is God created. It's a God-given mm-hmm. right. I believe marriage is a God-given right. And that changes the nature of the conversation entirely. It's a God-given right. Is What is freedom of speech? Why do we believe speech should be free? Why do we believe religion should be free? Why do we believe that you have a right to personal property? Where does that right come from? Well, if the government created that right, then they can take it away. But if God gave the right, which the founders of the Constitution believed, that's the reason government can't impose upon that right. So then the the narrative and the whole conversation between the two comes back to uh what is at stake here with the government taking over the definition of marriage co-opting it for its own purposes does that make sense
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i agree we're coming down to the conversation of you know is is there a god is there a creator and also revelation you know, our epistemology, how has God made him known? Has he told us? Has he made himself known? Has he made the created order known and knowable in, in any way? And th- I think there's a discussion here to be had on can, can the things that God, some of the things that God wants us to be known, can they be known and observed through nature? Which is about as high as Matt ever really goes, you know, like... Marriage is there for making children, but you don't need marriage to make children. I think that's, that's another one of Matt's problems is you can make children without marriage all day. In fact, you can make a lot more children without marriage. Sure. You know, if you're just going to have one woman, one man. What,
1: Nick Cannon? Can there's several you know, people out there right now in society <laughs> that are doing that. Elon Musk. The, the They've been sure. – They. I mean, seriously, though, they, they've been uh, – They came
0: to your mind so fast. Yeah.
1: They have <laughs> been – well, they, they've been uh, notably, like, touting the f- sexual freedom that they have and how that's mm-hmm. led to procreation. Who knows how many children Elon Musk has? Who knows how many children sure. Nick Cannon has, really? Yeah. And and all of them, neither one of them is married. And, I, you know, I don't know how – I think Nick Cannon has, what, nine or ten I, children I, I that he's – that he's said and, yeah. and by, like, I don't know how many different women, five or six different women, you know. Yeah. So, so – to your point, like, yeah, you don't need uh, marriage for procreation. So it can't fundamentally the... be
0: about that. Yeah. Marriage, marriage isn't just a procreating relationship. That's not it. Um, you, that, that would essentially put us down, you know, like closer to like an animal base, you know, like, oh, we just happen to be beings that, uh, you know, mate and partner for life, you know. Like what? With no meaning to marriage, actually. So imagine how that conversation
1: changes if Matt goes, "No, no, no. Marriage is fundamentally created and ordained by God, and it's a right given by God. He sets the rules and the parameters of it."
0: Yeah. Then, the, then the question becomes, how do we know? And Matt has to say, "Well, I think the Bible says that." And then Matt, you know, Joe has to say, "Well, why? Well, why should we listen to the Bible?" And now you're in a conversation of creation revelation the credibility of the Bible and is there a God who has made himself known at all and a fundamental conversation about Mm -hmm. rights so
1: Joe's about to get into like happiness and shouldn't everybody be free to have happiness and where do you get that if it was government created then why shouldn't the government be able to take it away Mm -hmm. don't they have a fundamental right to give and take away if they were the one that gave it Who's to say they can't just come in and, and remove that yep. right? And you're assuming some... that there is a right and it, that right, if it is a right, has to be founded on something higher than the authority of man or else so that's that's the I think the problem that we're in in this country that we're coming to very quickly is when you abandon God, there is no foundation for rights anymore. Rights are merely given and taken away by government. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't believe marriage is a God-given right, then what is? Mm-hmm. And if nothing is a God-given right, well, then we don't have any rights.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Right. I think I, I do wonder if there's some helpfulness to Matt's attempt at, at, at answering just on a natural level. Because it's the the creation of man and woman in in marriage is so fundamental to the created order from from Genesis forward. And and I'm thinking about Paul and his use of those who gave themselves up to dishonorable passions women with women, men with men, and he uses that phrase that they uh, exchanged natural relations for those contrary to nature. Now, is, is Paul in a sense saying that there's an exchange not just of like Moses' law for Muhammad's law, like a revelation like that that was given to Moses, but of something that's so natural, Paul. Paul. Paul's point seems to be in Romans one. They're even rejecting something that is so observably obvious and natural to everyone in the world that this is not. This is in the line of general. Well, we, you know, what we kind of distinguish as general revelation that everybody can see this and know this. And there's a there's a Depravity that goes so far that it even rejects the natural things Just the thing Now when I say natural I don't mean uh, Like created by nature or you know, like from mother nature uh, But things that are so observably natural to being human That you forsake those So There there seems to I don't know if Matt's trying to do that he never mentions Romans 1 he never makes that kind of uh argument um but is there is, is there some point where Christians can can like Paul just go look i mean this is just forsaking what's natural relationship i don't think so
1: because joe is not uh at least on the same ground as Paul's audience in Romans Paul's audience in Romans is reading Romans 1, 18 to 32 and going, Yeah, that's how we understand unnatural relationships. Joe's coming from the place of unnatural relationships. You know, he's he's not he's not the recipient of Romans, he's the subject of Romans. And so in those cases, I think we have to go to let's get down to brass tacks. There is a fundamental connection to what um uh what god has ordained. That's what we're arguing about here. And it's um uh I think it's important that we we ground the discussion on what God has ordained, what God has ordered.
0: Yeah. But I would but here would be my, my pushback would be what I'm saying is and I agree with you on the God ordained and and the conversation of rights but but i don't think paul is going to say the the natural out there that's being forsaken in homosexuality that the natural relations and what's contrary to nature that that's not also god's like that's that's that is part of paul's point and i, I think paul's mostly talking about gentiles who do not have the revelation of God in Chapter One that Israel had in the law, and his point is they even go against natural relations. So you guys go against the special revelation that you have. Everybody's in trouble. That's kind of the general flow of Chapters One and Two. So that even the the natural relations that God put in in the world, those are those are His, and they're they they are naturally observed. But I think if your argument is for what what is what makes you know what is marriage and what is sexuality, natural observation isn't enough to answer those questions. You don't have much past the animal kingdom of making babies to go when you when you go past that, and I think that's kind of where Matt stops, and he doesn't go past that. Um, so there is, there is something to say, this is, this is so contrary to God, it's contrary to what's natural, it's con- like Paul is saying, like that, that's how contrary this is to God, it's contrary to the order that, that God has created It's observable to everyone, uh, much less the, you know, have you read Leviticus 19, <laughs> which talks about homosexuality, you know, much less that, um... So, yeah, but I, th- I think you're right when it comes to, you know, it sounds like your your question of the, you know, the rights that we have it really of a question of who, whose are we? Whose world is this? Is, wh- what is right and wrong? And is anything right and wrong? What what makes anything inherently good versus inherently bad or, or evil? And, um, yeah, I remember one, uh, a Uh, Apologist years ago It was really helpful to me And just says like You know as soon As soon as someone Everyone wants truth to be relative You know To be kind of foggy But as soon as they use the word evil Or wrong They've forsaken their own argument So if Joe Rogan wants to say Let everyone make marriage what you want As long as it's love Well what is love? I mean who gets to say what is love? Who gets to say what's good? What's good love? Is there such a thing as a as a bad love? I mean so it's just it's a kind of morally vacuous you know it it, it kind of just spins in on itself and doesn't have any explanation for what is what is what is right and wrong other than kind of um guessing, I guess.
1: I and, and you know as soon as you have daughters and you get angry at the, you know, 49 year old man who's stalking them on the internet and trying to form a relationship with your 12 year old daughter, your 14 year old daughter, all of a sudden now there is boundaries on what love is. And if they say, well, you know, I am just, I love who I love and I'm going to marry who I'm going to marry or whatever, you know, over my dead body, you are, you know, that's, that's wrong, that's bad, that's evil. But where do those boundaries come from? And I think unless you ground this in God-given rights, then we're already on the wrong foot. And I don't think there's any winning for Matt here. I don't think there's any ground in which he actually comes out on top of this debate because the reality is he hasn't grounded it in Scripture itself. He's grounded the purpose of marriage in things that are fundamental to just society as a whole, you know, uh, just procreating or whatever, which isn't required, which marriage isn't required for.
0: Uh-huh. All right.
1: Um, we're going to go to the next section. Um,
3: but then why are you opposed to two gay people doing that?
2: Well, because because, again, it's 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 not about choice. It's about what this institution marriage is an institution and what is it. And what purpose does it serve? And I, I, I do not agree with um, tearing down or, or, or changing this definition, especially because the people who have changed the definition haven't come up with a new one. So they, they say, well, that's not what marriage is. So for thousands of years, we said marriage is the procreative union. And then we had the other side that came along and said, well, it's not that. Okay, well then like, what is it exactly? And I know you said, well, it's, it's people who love each other. Two people love each other. Well, But then, why two people? Why do they have to love each other? Um, you know, all these kinds of questions. You get into, you know, what if they're, they're in the same family? What if brothers and sisters want to marry? And I know every time that comes up, you know, the, the advocates for gay marriage will t- say, well, that's a slippery slope argument. That's a fallacious. But it's actually not. It's like we're trying to get to what do you even think this institution is now since you've rejected out what we were saying it was. And, um, and I've never found a a compelling definition and just, any, and any, def, any definition offered. It's like, it's like, well, what do you, what you, what's even the point then? Why, why, just, why do we even need this now?
0: Okay. Mm.
1: So, um, there's a fundamental question. Then what is it? Matt says, you know, mm-hmm. the people who have proposed a different definition of marriage haven't offered the actual definition. what they think it should be and what they've offered is two people that love each other but if you throw out these other things then uh, why does it have to be love why does it have to be two people Uh, and on and on and on and people have argued that this is a slippery slope argument that when what that means is that just because there is a slippery slope doesn't mean we're actually going to go there but what's been proven is that once you throw out a traditional definition of marriage this slippery slope is open and so now polyamory polygamy all these other things are coming into the the foreground as potential versions of marriage that are that are viable so thoughts on
0: what he says here oh man the i think matt's right to say when you redo a definition you're you know what is what is love you know why just two people his 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 point does ring true because when we remake marriage into something of our own making we can just keep making it whatever and you know, you're, you're talking about how um you're you're talking about how you uh, you're going to protect your your daughter from the guy on the internet that wants to you know the 40-year-old guy that wants to marry his 14-year-old daughter well there, there are movements out there that want to say, you know, that's not wrong. You, you just you just have a particular preference for young girls. So, you know, what's wrong with that? You know, who's, who's to say that's wrong? You know, there's increasing movements out, out there, even to those television shows for this now. You know, if you want to have more than one spouse or if you want to have multiple partners with no marriage, why, why do that? As soon as you depart... From there is a God. He defines marriage. You can make it whatever you want to. Make it whatever you want to. It's no, it's nothing. So I, I I agree with Matt to that to that degree. Uh, that yeah, as soon as you undo it, what he seems like what he's trying to get at throughout the whole interview, as soon as you undo what it is, it isn't anything, and so it can be anything. But he just doesn't have a good grasp of why it is what it is, and, and and what it means. What what is marriage? What is it? And I would say it's an instant institution, part of the, one of the primary institutions in creation. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Discipleship was really helpful uh, for me. He basically shows that God has made uh, kind of kind of four institutions in the world. Uh, one is labor. The other is government. The other is the church. The other is the mar- is marriage, and by extension and implication, family. That th- this is God ordained in the world, and, and the whole world. All of these things, he would say, are they're all relative to Christ, whether they know it or not. Marriage is about Christ. Labor is about Christ. Government is all about Jesus Christ. The whole world, everything that has been created is all by, through, and for Christ. So the meaning, the the essence of what is marriage is a covenant institution by God for His glory and for our joy. And it makes children and produces children through the sexual covenant. So marriage isn't even sexuality. So I talk about this with couples all the time. Like when you don't get married when you have sex. Bible calls that fornication. And and you're not married just because you don't get married when you have sex. You you don't get married at the altar and then later when you have sex, well now you're you're like now you're like married married. No. If if you get married and you're covenant to one another, you become one through covenant. And let's say your spouse leaves to go get some ice before the marriage is consummated in sexuality, gets in a car accident, dies. You don't go. Well, you know what? We weren't really married. No, you were. You were. You were married, right? You You were in a covenant together. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is where you're going, but the the meaning of what is marriage. Is an institution, a, a covenant institution between man and woman, that does produce children, but marriage isn't just a, a marriage-producing contract, or, or a baby, a baby-producing contract. Right. right.
1: And I think uh, one question that it, this this is part of um, my own personal um, philosophy. I think on debating. There are times where you have sort of the upper hand in the debate and you should use it. So like you have the facts are on your side and you need to utilize those facts and say what the facts are and the person then becomes overwhelmed by the facts. And you know, and this is kind of, I mean, you know, that that's sort of like technical like debating and I'm not, I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody. I'm just saying like when you're actually debating. But in, in, in most cases, I think what's helpful is when someone else is asserting facts, like Joe is asserting to, to, um, to Matt, or he's, he's basically posing questions, the best thing to do when you don't have, you know, because we already talked about he, he's, he's beginning on the wrong foot without grounding this in the Word of God and the rights that God has given, Instead he's tried to do it through natural means. Now Joe is in is sort of has the upper hand in that he's asking questions and taking Matt to its logical conclusion where Matt's gonna run out of ground. And the, the way I think Matt should get out of that is just by asking another question. What are the limits? Okay, fine. Let's say your okay. definition of marriage is is right. It's just two people that love each other. What are the limits? Uh As soon as you ask that question now, the shoe gets put on the other foot. Now Joe is the one having to ask the questions or having to answer Uh the questions and the one having to say, okay, well, here's where I think the limit should be. I think it should be two people that love each other. Well, what about a 40-year-old and a Uh six-year-old? They love each other. Well, I don't think that that person's capable of love. Well, throughout history, 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds, have routinely gotten married. As soon as a girl enters into puberty, she was she was able to be married. Is that where we should go? What about 15 people that want to be married to each other? Is that okay for society? So quickly we get into, okay, if the right is government-given, and that means that the definition is going to be defined by the people since we're a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So now the people have defined the the covenant of marriage, quote-unquote. They can not only define it however they want to, there are no limits. So long as uh, the majority rules here, there's no limit to marriage. And yet if you polled every person in this country, I guarantee you uh, polygamous, polyamory relationships would not carry the day right now. They would not be, you know, the, the vast majority of people would not be in favor of that. And so why is that not okay, though? Right? Is it just because a lot of people don't agree that it's okay? Well, in that case, you can't look back at history and say that they're bigoted for not ever allowing same-sex couples to be married. And it was wrong for them to do that. Because if we're saying that, that the people can define the marriage however they want to, well, then the majority defined it as a man and a woman back then so you can't look back at them and say that they were bigots they just didn't want that for their society but you can't have it both ways you can't look back at the past and say they're bigoted and then in the in the present and say it's whatever we want it to be well if it's whatever we want it to be then that's what they wanted it to be so it's it's like i think the the whole the whole conversation shifts as soon as you say then what are the limits because you're going to have to define
0: limits yeah, and I, and I think I, I think it seems like Matt is trying to distinguish and and I feel like Christians do this in general, you know. I want to uh, and I'm going to talk like I assume Matt's a Christian. I, I'm just going to give him that for the sake of the podcast right now. But but Christians in general will will tend to want to disconnect somehow like some obvious truths about marriage from Christianity itself. So that if, if you can maybe make it to where you reject marriage without rejecting the faith just yet, you know, so that it Matt almost seems to be kind of not not he's not high, he has nothing to hide that that's for sure if you, if you know if you've listened to the man he <laughs> he doesn't have anything to hide, uh but he seems to want to put the, the the catholicity of his faith and and his faith in general, kind of over here, back here, let's just talk about what's obvious. Let's just talk about what, what's natural and makes sense. I, I think this makes sense. I happen to be a a Christian and a Catholic, but, but marriage just makes sense. And it's like, no, 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 no. The only way it makes any sense is if you are a Christian. And that is the reason that you think that. It's not a it's not a circumstance that you think this is true, and you know I'm I'm also a Christian by the way. That's my faith back here. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Biden on abortion. You know, like, listen, I know the Catholic Church believes in abortion, and there's like, you know, that's whatever. But but this is my idea about abortion. I'm Catholic, sure, but this is my idea about abortion and government sanctioned approved permitted abortion and making decisions for other people it, it, you can't disconnect it right because the only way the only way matt's the, the meaning for marriage that matt's trying to hold on to comes i mean there's just a, a an absolute eternal divine solid chain from his thinking about what marriage is all the way back to god's revelation of himself In mankind, in the word, in Christ, in creation, that this is his institution, that he has said it is like this because it represents what he is himself like. So that's another thing that I see happening. I feel like Christians these days in in, in America are struggling in our day to want to do that too. Kind of say, my faith, I mean, I believe this over here, my faith's kind of over here. Don't mess with that. That's not what this is about. No, it is what it's about. You, you can't take one without the other you you begin to you know no is there is there can can you be a a saved converted christian and think that homosexuality is okay might be another question for another podcast but but fundamentally those those two things are you know in in terms of where marriage gets its meaning it's inseparable from the Christian faith. Yeah. So I want to go to this
1: next section, move it along a little bit where the question now becomes, well, if two people, two gay people want to be married, what is that to you? How does that actually impact you as a straight person? So that's, that's where the conversation is going to go. Let's listen.
3: Mm. I just don't see how a gay marriage in any way Damages a straight marriage. I don't. I don't see it at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems to me that people want to be. Bu- look, if you if you wanted to look at logic, especially in our modern society, which is pretty, when it comes to relationships, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Anyway, they don't make it. You know, if well, I don't know if anything would damage marriage and damage the institution of marriage. It's the option of divorce. I don't think gay people and gay people getting married in any way shape or form changes a bond that you have with your wife. It's just called marriage. It's a human invented thing. If we decide that gay people can get married too, I just don't see how it damages anything. I don't think it tears down the definition of marriage in any way. It just opens up the possibility that people who are gay won't be discriminated against.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't think that a, a gay couple existing uh, directly impacts, you know, there's a gay couple and, you know, wherever, and, and I'm with my wife in, in our house, like, obviously, right. there's not, um, but I'm talking about, I'm not talking about on the, on the individual level, I'm talking about on, the, on the, the societal level. Right. I would agree that um, divorce, especially, uh, you know, uh, this no-fault divorce, rampant divorce, I don't think it's as high as fifty percent. I know that that's the that's often quoted. I'm not sure where that comes from, but um, it is high. It's like it's too high. And, and Chris and, Rock
3: has a great joke about that. He said, it, "Those are just the people with the courage to get out." It's like how many cowards stay.
2: But it's also it's also true that the advocates for what we call now traditional marriage, which I just call marriage, but the advocates for traditional marriage put themselves at a disadvantage by allow, especially in the churches, like allowing this rampant divorce to occur. Um, and then you've you've already sort of given up on some, a- marriage is supposed to be monogamous and, uh, and permanent as well as procreative. Well, you've given up monogamy and permanence. And so now it's not, that's, that's, that's two of the three legs gone. And so now this assault was waged on the procreative part of it. And it was just it was, it was difficult to, to withstand it because the institution had already been weakened. So I agree with you there. Um, but my answer to that is to try to reinforce what marriage is, not to just give up on it Entirely, and I, I still think you're left with this question of, like, if marriage is not what I'm saying it is, then what? Why do we even need it? What's the? Point? I mean, you're saying it's a it's a man-made institution. Yes. But you.
1: But... Okay. So he says. Joe says, "Look, if you want to look at the damage that's being done to marriage, it's not." homosexual marriage it's no fault divorce right it's rampant divorce agree disagree what do you think
0: uh i mean it's a bot that's a bot what is divorce is a a byproduct of all those deeper things and i think part of it would be what joe rogan just said this is a man-made institution we have taken two people getting together and making children and having a family, and we called that marriage, and we made up this system man made up this this thing called marriage and uh yeah maybe maybe most of the time it's with men and women to you know make children and that makes that makes some sense, but we made it up so we can we can make it into anything else um I mean right then that. When when Matt didn't press on that, and when we don't press on that, what else are we talking about? Where there no matter where you go after that, where what what are you what are we talking about? So
1: the two aren't mutually exclusive. So you you, you say no fault divorce has damaged marriage. It's not same sex marriage that has damaged marriage. The two aren't mutually exclusive. Both, in other words, can do damage, but they do it in different ways. And the way that uh, divorce has damaged marriage is that that marriage is fundamentally a covenant for a lifetime between a man and a woman. And where do we get that? So if if you want to call that damage to marriage, where do you get that? Well, you get that from scripture that says that it's man and a woman for a lifetime. So, yes, I agree, that has damaged it, but it has damaged it on the on the covenant side before God. Now, the the part where same-sex marriage has damaged what the definition of marriage is that in same-sex marriage, the government has come in and has said we created marriage and therefore we can define its parameters. We can define what it is and what it is not. So now the damage that's being done to marriage is not that gay couple over there that got married. Like they're, they're not the ones fundamentally destroying marriage. It was the, it was the institution that came in that said, we'll take that that God has created, we'll bring that over to our side and now we'll set the parameters for it. But Matt can't bring that argument to bear now because from the very beginning, it was on the wrong foot. So at the very beginning, if he had said, then, you know, what is marriage? Is marriage, I believe marriage was created by God and it's an institution created by him and defined by him. Now in this part of the conversation, he can go, well, no, I believe it was created by God and the the damage that's being done to marriage is that the government has taken what is a God-given right and they've made it a man-made right. And that is a fundamental problem the same way it would be with speech, the same way it would be with religion, the same way it would be with any other right, the right to bear arms, any other right, the personal property, any other right that we have. If the government were to co-opt that and take that and say we define its terms now, you would be up in arms and go, you can't do that. That's a God-given right. God has given us that right. And you, you, the bill of rights says you can't infringe upon those because those are God-given rights. Well, marriage is a God-given right. And the problem is the damage that's being done by same-sex marriage is not that gay couple over there who got married. It's the fact that the government was the one that co-opted the institution and sets to define its parameters. And so now we're in a situation where if the government is defining the parameters, they also have the power of the sword, as is defined by the Bible. So now they're setting the parameters and they have the power of the sword. Where before, God sets the parameters of it, and the government has the responsibility and the duty to defend it and to punish the evildoer and to reward the do-gooder. So where the government previously has just recognized what God has already done and protects what God what, the rights that God has given to man, now government is defining the terms for the God-given rights and is taking it away from the God domain and bringing it into, the, into their sphere. And they have the power of the sword to enforce it. So it takes them from being a protector and defender of a God-given right to the creator of the right. And the executioner of the right, so that puts the church in a position where, if we're defending traditional marriage or we're defending what marriage really is, then we are we're receiving the brunt force of the government's of the government's push. So it put it. Th- that's the damage that's being done. That's the concern mm-hmm. that the church should have. Is. Yeah that these rights are given
0: by God and government has sought to co-opt them and so much of so much of that even has conversation as, as well about, you know, hi- historically through time, how much of how, how much of the government's business should marriage be anyway? How much, you know, should should the government be in the marriage business? Is this a church institution? Will we see you know, are we, are we looking at a, a potential future where people are, you know, could be married in churches but not registered as married to the government or, or something, something like that, you know? Because um, today you can go get married at the justice of the peace. You can go get married by a judge and be married in the eyes of Texas and the government and no church, no community, no pastor, no minister. I mean, you can – or if you want, you can become a minister online. You know, you can you can get your aunt to become a, a minister and be ordained. You know, it takes about sixty seconds, five minutes maybe. You can become a minister online, and then you could do you could you could people do this all the time. You heard of this? Yeah, yeah. We we can't find a pastor. We're not part of a church. We want something sort of religious. So you know, Aunt Darby is gonna you know, our, <laughs> she's gonna be the minister, and she gets ordained and comes and makes this an official legal marriage. So, yeah, I think it has all kinds of questions in it about you know that what you're talking about in, in matters of the government in relation to marriage. And are we just talking about tax breaks and filing? Are we talking about insurance? Are we talking about uh, who gets the kids if someone dies? Can you adopt children? Um, it, at some point, it can't not be a legal recognition but its its meaning can't come from the government. It's it's not meaning it's not meaningful because the government made it meaningful. They they recognize something uh, that is there outside of its own authority and outside of its own uh, ability. I mean, government has never had the responsibility to determine what is right and wrong, but simply to to recognize. What is right? What is wrong? What is good? What is evil? According to God. Right, and uh, you know I think too, because um, we are going to talk about the
1: next section is uh, it, what is the meaning of marriage? Is it meaningless? And which is uh, Matt's going to kind of go there, um, which I think is a bad place to go. But anyway, he's going to go there. But but before we get there, um, if we're saying that, ah, um, oh, dang it. I, forgot where i was going oh you said something and i was like i i need to pin that i need to talk about that and uh, and i don't remember what it was so there it goes i'm sure it was brilliant uh, <laughs> <laughs> i
0: hate it when i do that i'm like yeah uh, trying to remember i could have written a book with all the brilliant things i've forgotten man oh yeah sure you know how many books I would have written if I
1: could remember all the brilliant things I've thought? <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So let's go to the next question. Uh, is marriage meaningless? Here it goes.
2: But you're also, like, the way that you're pre- presenting it, it's it's a, it's also it's a totally
3: meaningless institution. It's no. Like, you don't need it at all. No, it's not meaningless because it means something to the people that get married.
2: So it's just it's just a subjective... Symbolic
3: thing. I mean, what? Yeah. So if kind of what it is. Look, there's a massive responsibility when you're married and when you have children to keep your family together and you raise and keep everybody happy and healthy. And there's great reward to that. Yeah. But it doesn't always work out. It's not. It's not a. It's people change. People are. It doesn't. Doesn't always work. And so I don't think it should be outlawed because 50% of the people fall apart. Just like I don't think it has any effect whatsoever on a straight couple if a gay couple decides that they want to make it official. And that's what it is to them. It, it gives them a feeling that that they're accepted and appreciated and that they're not discriminated against because they happen to be homosexual.
2: So well, what you're articulating to me is the damage that's done by gay marriage to the institution of marriage,
3: but how is it done? How is that because in any way damaged straight people?
2: Because we are making the institution meaningless.
3: But it's not meaningless. Well, but it's just very said, meaningful to the people that have it.
2: Subjective, symbolic, and it's about your own personal feelings. Isn't it though? Well, no. I, I would say that it's not. It's, it's well, if
3: it's, it's not subjective and it's not symbolic, it's, then it's,
2: it, 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 it codifies and protects and uh, gives a name to. A, a thing that actually exists, which is which are you know man, woman couples creating people, creating creating babies,
3: um, but not always. Right, but, again, but that's still, that's still the, that's still the nature of the union. So, but what are the percentage of people today that are married that don't have children? I bet it's pretty high amongst heterosexuals. Probably. Is there something wrong with that? I, I think there is something wrong with that. I, I think it, it, there, there is something wrong with. You know, getting married and saying, "Or oh, just we don't, we're not gonna have any kids at all." But why is there something wrong with that? If someone's personal choice, well, why would that? Why is it wrong that two people are like, you know, I am deeply committed to work, and I don't want to sacrifice any of my career, and I don't want to ruin a kid because I'm constantly at the office. But that's where I get deep satisfaction, and and that's that's what I'm focused on. And the the woman says, "That's great," because I don't want children either. I really am yeah. attached to my interests and my career and what I like to do. That, that's not damaging your relationship with your wife and your family. It's I don't certainly I certainly don't think of it as a threat to my marriage or my family.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh... So I remembered what I was going to say. By the way, I wrote it down this time so that I can. <laughs> um, there are always. You Read your the, book there typically comes back to this this question of whether or not government should be in marriage. That's what you said, and, and that's uh, I, I triggered something in my mind. Like, th- there's, there's always this question whether or not government should be in marriage, and I think Christians struggle with this more than anybody else, is maybe we should just get married in the church. Government shouldn't be in marriage whatsoever. And then other people, other Christians will come back and say, well, no, we definitely want the government in marriage, right? Because, I mean, you don't want, you know, a a six-year-old marrying a 35-year-old, you know, that, you know, we want the government in marriage. But there's a fundamental difference between the government defending marriage and defending what is right and wrong, punishing the evildoer and rewarding the do-gooder, as the Bible would define it, Mm -hmm. and being in the marriage-defining process, in, in the one where they're saying to the 35-year-old, you cannot marry the six-year-old, they're defending what marriage is, and they're saying it's one man, one woman for a lifetime. Now, it will be, to some extent, a societal definition as to what is a man and what is a woman, and I realize we're having a question about that right now, too, but, but it will be a societal thing of like, okay, is a 13-year-old a woman? is an 18 year old, a woman, you know, we define it here. It's somewhere between 18 and 21, you know, some rights you have at 18, some rights you have at 21, most places it's legally 18, you know, but not everything comes to you until 21 and you can't rent a car until you're 25. So, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. but, but for the most part, there is a societal definition as to when does a person reach mature manhood and womanhood? Granted, okay? But once the society has decided this is manhood and womanhood, it is the government's responsibility then to pre- protect marriage within those terms. And there's a fundamental difference between them protecting it on one end, like in that case, and actually then what they're doing now, co-opting it and saying we define all of its terms. We not just def- we don't just defend, we define. And I, I think that's that's the fundamental problem here. So then we move on. Yeah. In this bit where he says, where Matt says, well, then it's just meaningless, which is right in some sense that it is meaningless. But Joe says, no, it's not meaningless to the person who's getting married. So what do you think of this, your appraisal of this argument?
0: It's non-meaningless to the person getting married. Um... No, but it's still a personally defined meaning, right? It's It feels meaningful, but, you know, Joe seems to contradict himself. You know, the argument he, he's putting forward contradicts itself when you say, you know, it's a man-made institution, yet we need someone to certify it. We want someone to approve it. We want it to be official. So it's the That was the thing that grabbed my attention When he said You know it, it becomes official You're recognized It's like why Why do you want that Who Would you need it to be recognized by who For it to have meaning Why is there an instinct To have it recognized To have meaning And to be recognized as a good meaning Why Why not just why don't just tell the world we we're married. have you been officially married we don't need to be officially married we just are married. we don't need the government to tell us we're married we're just married. Where does that come from why why is that why is that even why is that even a thought for for him so yeah I, I don't is, is it meaningful to them of course there's there's meaningfulness to it non-christians who get married, have children, raise a family, it's very meaningful. They're they're walking in in graces that God has given in the world and they're unaware of the meaning of what they're in. But it doesn't mean that it's not good. It doesn't mean that it's not within God's good created order. So can it be meaningful to them? Can it can it be meaningful for uh, a, a man to find companionship from another man in in marriage can it be meaningful like that i mean sure you can you can have that kind of feeling if if you think feeling is you know the epitome of meaningfulness then yeah sure but that's not what we're talking about in terms of what is it what does it mean and what is it and what makes it good. There's all sorts of things that we feel good about, and we, we get good pleasure out, but they're actually very sinful. Ice cream. Ice cream wouldn't be one.
1: <laughs> uh, the, I think the fundamental problem that they have right now in this part of the argument, it actually began at the very beginning when Matt did not bring marriage back to defined by God. And given by God as a right. But now in this position where they're in, is their definition of meaning is different, is entirely different because they're on totally different they're on totally different realms or operating in different realms. Matt is betraying his worldview, which says God created the world and everything in it and gives things its universal meaning. And so when he says mm-hmm. meaning, he means is it universally true for everyone? But he's already ceded all the ground to Joe to define meaning as individualistic. So Mm -hmm. you can define meaning however you want. So Joe then comes in and says, no, it has meaning to that person, and that is meaning. And I think, honestly, in in this position, it would be best to just illustrate the fact that we actually have to have meaning that is true for everyone. Joe, do you actually use a dictionary? Do you believe in the use of a dictionary and the function of a dictionary? Well, sure, I do. Well, then, what is its purpose? It defines the meaning of a word for everyone. What would happen mm-hmm. in a society if we said there is no dictionary? A word is whatever you want it to be. And it's just the, the way you define the word is strictly by context, meaning. You take that word, you put it in a paragraph, and it may be mama dog face banana patch, all right? That sentence makes no sense if you have a dictionary and you understand the, the syntax of those words in relation to each other. But if uh-huh. if all of a sudden n- the meaning of words becomes individualistic, then we are strictly relegated to context, so you read that sentence and you read the paragraph around it and you know what the person means by mama, dog, face, banana patch. And okay. then the, the, the words have taken on all new meanings because the mm-hmm. author has defined the meanings. Well, if that's what we're saying is true of marriage, what else is that true of? And mm-hmm. in, in how can society actually function if every person gets to determine meaning for themselves? And there's not actually a universal meaning. You say that right. you have a right to guns. You say you have a right to personal property. You say you have a right to all of these different things that we believe is fundamental to be American, all right, or to, to have a functioning society. But where do those things come from? And if government gets to define the meaning for it, not just – well, that's another part of it is you you've previously argued that government is defining is defining marriage who are they defining it for i thought mm-hmm. i thought meaning is to the individual to determine mm-hmm. in which case government should be out of it entirely there is no question uh, that government has to answer here we we should mm-hmm. really get rid of government altogether they have no business defining any kind of meaning at all for us right so you know, i i think it, it, we're They've gone to a position which is a logical connection based on where the argument started, which is complete nihilism. But I think it's very easily overcome by just saying you can't actually function in a nihilistic universe, and you don't want to function in a nihilistic universe. You want to make the rules. And so really, it's an art. Back to what Jonathan Lehman said, I think, in um, uh, Why the Nations Rage. Is it Why the Nations Rage or How the Nations Rage or the nation that rage or something it's a book about nations raging um (laughs) is that all of these arguments is a battle of gods that's really what it is who gets to to have the authority here and that's what this conversation is but it's it's masqueraded in a freedom hey we should just all be free just let everybody be the way they are that's a god that you're arguing for that's not just a you know a logical position that Joe wants to make it. He mm-hmm. He's actually arguing for a God and a worldview. So why does mm-hmm. he get to win? Why does his God get to win? Right? Mm. So you're just yeah. arguing for your God over my God. Mm-hmm. You know. Can I say
0: something else too? Are you going to do another clip? I am going to, I have one more clip, but that's it. Wait till the end. Do the clip.
1: All right. so this one is uh comes down to the final part of it which is freedom as Americans it's a little bit longer but but bear with me All right. it is a personal
3: choice right but shouldn't but, people be allowed to make those personal choices like isn't that a fundamental aspect of what it means to be American to have that freedom well right yeah but right now
2: we're not talking about what people are allowed to do I'm not saying well, that
3: Well, we're talking about marriage gay marriage
2: Okay, we, that, were, we, we were just discussing straight couples who choose not to have kids. Straight couples choose,
3: that's also a personal freedom issue, right. isn't it?
2: Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that, that straight couples should be legally required to have kids, but I, I, you know, if you're asking me, do I think it's the right choice to just get married and choose not to have kids ever, I, I, I do not think that that's the right choice. It might, it's, their, it's their choice, but people can make choices that are wrong. Um, and you can but disagree. how is
3: it wrong if they have a fulfilling and wonderful life together with that choice? If their their thing is that they just want to have a bond between the two of them to just like take it to the next yeah. level, let everybody know like we are married. If I die, my money's going to go to Helen. And if Helen dies, you know, I, you know, I'm going to mourn her because she was my wife and now I'll be a widower. Like to some people that distinction gives them peace and security and makes them feel better about the relationship that they're both so committed that they've legally signed documents that say that they're bound by law, and under the eyes of God or whatever you believe in. Yeah, they're
2: they're able to make that choice, but I think you're rege- you're still rejecting one of the purposes of marriage. And in the scenario that you just outlined, you're also deciding to live a really self-centered life you're saying well, what if what?
3: you're not what if your work is very charitable what if it benefits humanity in a deep way what if you spend a lot of time doing you know healthcare work and you know and uh, social work and you're you're deeply committed to your community it's not selfish at all you're just dedicating your time to something I mean, other than raising new human beings but yeah, that's you're a, dedicating your life to enhancing other human beings that are around you That's a hypothetical it is a hypothetical but so is yours right yeah
2: but i I think most of the people that choose like we're not gonna have kids and and the and the the rate of uh those rates are declining um and the age when people first have kids is also going up and and all that yeah most of the people that are making these choices i don't i don't think it's because they're involved in charity work I, i do think that it is more the the scenario you outlined the the, the first time around, which is just like, well, this is what I'm doing, you know, I have my job, I don't want to give it up. Yeah, Um,
3: but don't you think that people should have the freedom to live their life in that way? I think human beings vary widely in a huge way. And I think there's some human beings that find a very fulfilling life just reading books and traveling and experiencing different things and seeing art and doing whatever they want to do. And they don't necessarily have to have kids to live a fulfilling life that way. And if they choose to do that with someone who they have a loving bond with and who they get married to, I don't think it's a bad thing that they don't want to have kids.
2: Well, I think, I guess we have to, maybe we're running into a a question of, of, you know, now you get to the real fundamental question. I think it's a
3: fundamental freedom thing.
2: Yeah, we're not disagreeing, I guess, on the freedom aspect of it, because again, I'm not saying that you should be required to have kids. But, so, but you're
3: imposing your sensibilities on what you think is important in life to other people. Joe's but not, everybody has a different idea of what's We're important not, I'm in life not. without hurting anyone. The thing is, like, what I'm saying is these people that are that are married, that don't have children, they're not harming anyone. They're not harming these unborn children that they never have. They're not harming anyone. And it doesn't affect your relationship with your family and your marriage at all.
2: Yeah, but and I'm also not—I'm not imposing myself on them or harming them by answering a question about about right. how I
3: feel about their choices. Right. But nor are gay people doing that to you.
2: I if, think the I, the harm comes from on a societal level when we start breaking down these basic uh, central institutions like the, the institution of the, of the family and of marriage. That's where the harm, harm comes from. And the, the more that people believe, the more that we build a society where it's believed that marriage is objectively meaningless, right? It's, it's entirely subjective. It's just, about, it's just about making you feel better. Um, the more that we build a society like that, I think the, that's where the harm comes in, the, wor- the worse it is. And people are gonna reject marriage. Um, and, uh, and that means more, you know, fewer kids are being born, also more kids are being born in a context where they don't have that stable family structure. So the harm definitely comes, It may not be this immediate, you know, connect the dots thing, but uh, when we can already see that.
1: Okay. So we come down to this main argument of this is a fundamental freedom thing. And Joe, he says one time in the the thing, uh, that gay couple is not hurting anyone. And the conversation has now come to the same-sex couple instead of actually coming to the one... Because the same-sex couple didn't define marriage. They weren't the one defining it. The, the one <clears throat> defining marriage was the government at the beginning who sought to define marriage. So mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, the, the conversation now is, hey, that, that same-sex couple's not... you know, They're not hurting anyone. But the reality is no one's arguing that they are. No one's arguing that they're the ones hurting people. The, the ones that are hurting people are, is the government. So Joe says it's a fundamental freedom thing, but who gives you the freedom? Where does freedom actually come from? If freedom mm-hmm. comes from the government and they're the ones that get to define what freedom is and what it is not, then it is not freedom. It will never be freedom. Mm-hmm because now another man gets to determine what I do and don't do what I'm able to do and what I'm not able to do. If instead the conversation was kicked back to the church and the government was able to say, look, we protect the institution of marriage and we give the, we let, let the church determine who is married and who is not married. Then all of a sudden the balance is restored again. Look, we're, we're going to, we're going to protect, we're going to incentivize even, we're going to encourage, we're going to celebrate marriage as an institution in our society. That's what we're going to do. And whether that means there's tax breaks for yeah. kids or not, yeah. it, I don't know that that really yeah. matters. But, but you know, we're going to celebrate that as an institution. If you, If a gay couple decides we want to be together for a lifetime, and even if they go to a church that says we're going to marry same-sex couples, you know then whatever the government's responsibility in you know can i pass on my wealth to you know my spouse even if that's a same sex you know spouse can uh, they come see me in the hospital when i'm dying and things like that you know all those are of no consequence to the definition of marriage you know whether or not somebody can pass on their wealth whether they can be visited and, and seen in the hospital by their quote unquote spouse you know that that to, is really of no consequence to the definition of marriage. What we're really talking about here is if the government is co-opting those rights and has the ability to redefine them, however they want, then there is
0: no such thing as freedom. Yeah. So, you ever read this book called "Oskar a Free People's Suicide"? No. He's talking the the entire book is exactly what you are talking about. Here's what he says. unfettered freedom could prove to be the Achilles' heel of the modern world, dissipating into license, triviality, corruption, and a grand undermining of all authority. But for the moment, the world is still both thrilled and enthralled by the great, quote, age of freedom. It's the world's most stunning success, and the United States its its most uh, proudest exemplar. And then... A couple pages later, just lost my sentence. He says, The natural bent on self-love is toward domination, not self-restraint. So the power, so the will to power at its heart will relentlessly seek to expand unless it meets resistance. Freedom, therefore, thrives on freedom, and mistaking power for freedom expands naturally to produce the abuse of power that throttles freedom. That is, unless freedom is checked and balanced strongly, wisely, and constantly. You actually begin to mistake freedom for power. And and power not just in government, but power and authority, I think, to define meaning. Freedom when so when you go back decades in American history and see that you begin to feel we get to have the freedom to define meaning good, wrong, right, evil, wicked, fun, free. You define freedom. When we get to define freedom itself, then the the end goal ultimately is power to do whatever i want. There's no other there's no other where there's no other place for it to go. Cuz that's what it is. Uh, and a rejection of the power, the authority, the ownership of the world that God has himself. And the meaning of what a world is being in God himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it's um
1: I think uh we've we've we came to a place in the in the argument which i think is a logical conclusion and at the end what we're left with is a worldview that is completely nihilistic and without god and ultimately is going nowhere for no important purpose and so then we, the meaning, happiness, joy, whatever it is, is defined by the individual words themselves defined by the individual and up to the individual. Um, but none of this is grounded in God. Like none of that, that was my big problem with it. And you know, the reason why I I sent this to you to begin with and said, Hey, we need, we really need to talk about this because, you know, I think one of the fundamental flaws that Christians make is we're afraid to use the Bible where the Bible is not welcome. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a mistake because Mm -hmm. it, it, you, if you don't use scripture and you don't say, I think there's a God and I Mm -hmm. think he's defined what is good and bad, what Mm -hmm. is evil and what is not evil. Then you have to, Land where the nihilist does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't disagree with Joe if you throw out God. Mm-hmm. His conclusions are right if God mm-hmm. isn't real. Or if you yeah. get to define whatever God is for you or, or there's no objective truth of God, right. then he's right. Yeah. And that yeah. that's the thing I think from the, the debate that I came away with was... Joe's argument is really sound so long as you're a nihilist. Okay. And, and Matt sort of just ceded the ground to the nihilist and said, okay, I'll argue from a perspective that there is no God. And he tried to argue from these sort of like um, high-minded, duty-to-society sort of uh, traditional American patriotistic uh, kind of ideals which crumble, which absolutely crumble under their own weight, under the slightest pressure from the nihilist. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's a classic example of, hey, use the Bible. Just don't be afraid and just say, let's actually have the debate about whether or not God is, God exists. And if so, what God mm-hmm. exists? Which God mm-hmm. is it? And, and what does he say and what does he like? Because let's have that debate first. And if we have that debate, I think I'm going to win that one. And after that debate, okay, now what what has he said about marriage? What is it? And then I think from there we can actually talk about how a functioning society that recognizes personal liberties, that there are people who are not Christians, who don't follow by those ideals, who are not going to live by those ideals, who don't want to live by those ideals, how they can also function in society and how the government can be for them too. And actually... Uh, help them and allow them to live and allow them the liberty that they they want while also recognizing historic institutions that are given by God and rights that are given by God at
0: the same time how can we do that well we've done it for two hundred years yeah and I and, and not trying to 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 juke you but you might not win in the sense that you actually convince or persuade people in in any conversation but you will come to realize our, our difference is not particular to marriage or sexuality. Our difference is you reject God. You, you do not think there is a God, or you do not think that He has rights to your life. You do not think that what He that He has spoken clearly in His Word. You don't think that these things are true. And if we don't agree about those things... We can't. What are we talking about? And I would say the other thing too is, it. I I think that there there's there is an air in the in, in our culture today that says commands and and laws and you know right and wrong is really stifling and. You know, it's it can't be freedom, so it can't be, you know, it can't feel free. And I, I I I would just say there's there's an experiential aspect to God's created order and God's holiness that's so good. And in fact, you even see in Psalm 119, the psalmist talks about having God's word making him free. Free knowing god's word has really set me free to please the lord and to do what is good and to live good and be good it actually sets me free without it i'm really bound and just how good how good the world is in the way god created it and how good how good his law and his rule is because he's like that And he's happy and he's he is good that it's not like you know there's this really good way over here and there's this really no there is a superiorly there's a superior goodness in walking with God and a superior and a superior joy to be had because I think that's another thing that Joe kind of gets at they want peace they want security they want meaning they want love those are all really good things to want. There's a, and Tim Keller talks about this in his book. What could be more secure than a covenant? And a, and a covenant that's built on forgiveness, where I will actually forgive you if you do what's wrong. Rather than we kind of have all these shared ideals and, you know, we both like to hike and, you know, whatever. You don't want to have kids. Oh, me neither. Okay, well, let's get together and have a, a marriage for fun and have sex for fun. Well, now we, now there's security. And that's not security. And we're finding out that it's not security all over the place. And one, I'll tell you this: one, I continue to say this in marriage counseling, and I'm enjoying it in my life right now with my wife. I continue to come back and find probably the greatest joy that I have in marriage with my wife. It's not sex. It's not. It's not fun. It's not parenting. It's not. It. It is the expression of covenant in everything we do. Forgiveness, forbearance commitment loyalty unconditional love that points me back to the character of God over and over and over and over and it makes marriage one of the most meaningful things uh that that i that i think exists in the world that God's created you know because it's so close to who he is so it's so it's just good it's just really good uh what God has made and how he's made it agree well it's been fun
1: interesting different it's been good technologically I'm challenging
0: to... <laughs> <laughs> for two. i'm looking i'm looking forward to more uh more reviews yeah
1: yeah we're more gonna reviews to, of guys like this we'll have to figure out a way to do that <laughs> all, all right. right it was good talking to you all right bye. listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you and most importantly share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast. We'll you